0: Hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Hewitt, and welcome to The Conservative Voice Show. Your place for honest, controversial, and the hottest in political conversations. Alright everybody, so welcome back to The Conservative Voice Show. So today we're going to talk about the President's going around firing some people, Uh, Biden's going around hiring some people. The election wars continue to wage on in court, and the depravity of Andrew Cuomo continues to run rampant in New York. So, we're going to talk about all these and hopefully a lot more today. So, we'll start off with President Trump announced last night that he would be firing his cybersecurity and infrastructure director over what had happened. So, and what I mean by what had happened. Is According to Fox News, President Trump has refused to concede the election and on Tuesday night announced in a tweet that he had fired Chris Krebs, the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency director. Trump claimed that a recent statement made by Krebs that the election was the most, in quote, secure in American history and was highly inaccurate. So I'm not saying that Chris Krebs is right. I'm not saying that Chris Krebs is wrong. Because I honestly don't know. What I am going to say is that Trump absolutely has the right to do that. And some people are saying that he's throwing a temper tantrum and that he just needs to concede the election and that he's just doing that because he disagrees with them. Well, what do you expect? Whether you're working for politics, a business, a corporation, it doesn't matter. If you are going out there just expressing your discontent and disagreement with the Business, administration, campaign, companies, whatever it may be his goal, you probably should like, expect to be fired. Like You can't just go out and be like, nope, I don't agree with that. And I'm just going to sit here in my seat and keep my director's position while I openly disagree with you. That would be like your business that you work for is suing another business for whatever. And then you go on national television saying, well, what well, my business is that business for is actually wrong and I disagree with that. Do you expect to keep your job? Like, what are you freaking talking about? Especially when the investigation is still underway. Okay, it's one thing if you say it like a year afterwards and the investigation is over and all sides have had their day in court and all of that. Okay, whatever, maybe it'd be like less egregious then. But the fact that the investigation is still underway still ongoing. I don't know what you were thinking, Mr. Krebs. I don't know what the hell you were thinking. Now, is it surprising? No, no, it's not. Trump has been notorious through his administration, and people disagree with him, and they didn't align with his beliefs and his goals. Well, you were gone. That's just how it's been. But I don't know what else you expect to happen, especially when you're speaking about an election that is as controversial and contested as this one. So on the other hand, Biden is currently looking at beefing up his cabinet and his administration and those that are gonna work for him. And to be honest, the one that he's advocating for or that he's hinting for is kind of scary when you think about it. So we all know that the progressives in the Democratic Party not only want, but need a position in Biden's cabinet. Why? Two reasons. One, if the Senate is held by the Republicans, they believe that their only hopeful way of influencing policy is to be in that cabinet. Second, because their own caucus in the House has started to resent them and push away from their crazy, radical, and progressive ideas, they know the only way, like I said the first time, this one kind of like bleeds into it, the only way that they're going to affect that progressive change they want is inside the administration and inside the cabinet. So, ultimately, it comes down to the fact that the progressives know that Biden is not strong enough to hold them back. Therefore, they can get a position in their administration and in Biden's cabinet, they can force and have a higher chance of securing the policy changes in their agenda. All right. So, in an article from CNN. And they, I'll give it to them, right? Like CNN, their headline for this article, like is a keynote, should be like a snapshot of why the radical base actually supported Joe Biden. So the headline is, progressives turned out for Joe Biden. Now they want a big role in his, in his administration. That is the reason why the progressives turned out for him. The progressives radicalized their crazy base, like all the Bernie bros, all those behind Elizabeth Warren, all those behind AOC, the rest of the squad, Rashida Tlaib, like they radicalized that base in a hopes that when Joe Biden became president, they would get a shot at a cabinet position. So in this article, Joe Biden won't be sworn in for another 64 days, but the president-elect, which... For the note, he is not, is already under pressure from the activist groups to bring progressive leaders into his administration and close its doors to establishment figures with cozy relationships to Wall Street, defense contractors, and the fossil fuel industry. The pressure campaign is played out in public. With the release of open letters and lists of an acceptable cabinet for top—I'm sorry— acceptable candidates for top cabinet positions via private calls with potential nominees and the social media, where progressive groups have warned the incoming administration against reneging on Biden's promise to forge an aggressive new path in the fight against climate change. So right there, that right there is literally like, this like keynotes it. Like literally is like a keynote of like what they actually want. So it goes on. Today feels like a betrayal because one of the president-elect Biden's very first hires for his new administration has taken more donations from the fossil fuel industry during his congressional career than nearly any other Democrat, cozied up to the big oil and gas and stayed silent and ignored meeting with organizations in his own community while they suffered from the toxic pollution and sea level rise. Sunrise Movement Executive Director Varshini Parakash said in a statement shortly after Richmond's move was made official. Like, they want a spot to secure those progressive agendas. And that article right there completely shows it and like puts a spotlight on the reason why the progressives want to secure a seat in Biden's cabinet. All right, so we'll go on on like that kind of same like rabbit hole, and a report from Politico today: President-elect Biden hasn't nominated anyone for his cabinet yet, but he's assembling the team to get his future picks confirmed. According to Alex Thompson with Politico, with Republicans favored to retain their majority in the Senate next year, Biden's cabinet is poised to become the incoming administration's first big political battle. The confirmation votes will be the early test of the president's elect, which he's not the president-elect yet. I will say that every single time I read that or I hear that, he is not the president-elect yet. It, the confirmation votes will be an early test of the president-elect's ability to maneuver in the Senate and work with Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who will maintain control of the chamber as long as Republicans win one of the two Senate runoffs in Georgia." And this is absolutely correct. Mitch McConnell is going to play hardball, which is what like the country needs. Like there needs to be a vetting process towards the radicals that think that they're going to see some forward progressiveness inside the Biden cabinet. Like just last week, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren both suggested they may fill a cabinet position in the future in Biden's administration. Like the last thing, okay? Like Mark, my words right now? What's the the 18th. America does not need Bernie Sanders in charge of the treasury. That's like giving your 15-year-old brother the ability to be the banker in Monopoly. We all know he's going to steal money and not a single one of us know where it's going to go. That is what will happen if Biden becomes... I'm not sorry. Not Biden. If Bernie Sanders becomes the treasure, in charge of the treasury. That is... No. America does not need a Bernie Sanders controlled treasury. Help. We don't even need an Elizabeth Warren controlled labor department. Like, absolutely not. But with that being said, the pressure is already starting to pile up. And Biden isn't even elected yet. He hasn't been the electoral college hasn't voted. No states has certified the results yet. He's not inaugurated. And the pressure is already building on him. And for the people that think that he was going to be the voice of moderation for the Democratic Party, that Biden was going to somehow bring a moderate voice to the Democratic Party. yeah, right. He's already starting to feel the pressure from the progressives who rallied behind like rallied their base behind him, and he's not even the president-elect yet. So Biden has also announced a poten- a potential candidate to serve as the attorney general. and a report from Fox News, like this was actually legitimately like scary. like I said that before, but this one is like could be completely altering to the, like, defense and sovereignty of America. So, in a report written by Adam Shaw with Fox News, California Attorney General Xavier Becerra, who Fox News is told is being considered to serve as Attorney General in the upcoming Biden administration, once said that illegal immigration should be decriminalized. One of the number of radical stances he has taken on the subject. Becerra is one of the number of individuals president-elect, which he is not. Joe Biden is considering to be the nation's top lawmaker, along with Alabama Senator Doug Jones and former Deputy Attorney General Stanley Yates, Fox News is told. If appointed, Becerra would bring a significantly different approach to questions related to illegal immigration, where he has long taken left-wing positions and been a thorn in the Trump administration's side on the issue. Last year, he told Huffington Post that he favored decriminalizing illegal immigration, a stance that is still fringe in the Democratic Party, despite its lurch to the left. They are not criminals, Sarah said. They haven't committed a crime against someone, and they are not acting violently or in a way that's harmful to people, and I would urge they are not harming people indirectly either. Oh, really? Oh, really? Okay, well, I'm gonna kind of break this down a little bit. All right, they're not harming anyone, and it should be decriminalized because it's not a crime against a person. Well, let me remind everybody, DUIs are not a crime against people or a person. The state in every state is the victim of a DUI, unless someone legitimately dies from it, right? So DUIs are not a crime, inherently a crime against a person. Yet DUIs kill thousands of Americans a year. So are we just gonna decriminalize the idea of driving under the influence because it doesn't innately injure or harm somebody and is not a crime against a person? Get the hell out of here. Like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, are you, like, that's absolutely absurd. Second, it doesn't, like, it's not a, it doesn't harm anybody. Let's not forget the millions of people who try to migrate to America legally every single year. So we're going to decriminalize it. Illegal immigration. Well, I would assume still holding some form of like immigration procedure. What about those hundreds, thousands, millions of people on a list that are waiting legally to enter this country? Illegal immigration harms our ability to become legal immigrants. It harms other people's ability to legally achieve the American dream. Like, We have immigration laws for a reason. Open borders with no vetting, no laws, and no repercussions for violating any form of law about it is a direct threat to our sovereignty. Like, absolutely a direct threat to our sovereignty. America still has enemies. Like, I don't know if you know this, the Middle East hates us, China dislikes us, Russia dislikes us. There are tons of countries that dislike America. And opening our borders makes us vulnerable to that threat. John Jay and The Federalist explicitly dictates how it's the federal government's job to protect us from foreign threats. Opening our borders with no like, criminal action taken about those who immigrate illegally. You are completely like, disregarding your job at the federal level and the federal government's responsibility to protect Americans from foreign dangers. Absolutely, like, ridiculous to think about. And I think this is just the beginning, if Biden is elected and does become the president of the United States, we are going to see a lot of positions that are going to be filled by progressives and radicals that want to change the American values, the American systems, and destroy the American institutions. So all of this is going on while this war in the election wages on. So Trump campaign, Trump's campaign continues to litigate their claims of voter fraud and voter re- irregularity. I will remind everyone before we start this, before we dive into this, that this is not unprecedented. We are not in unprecedented territory. Like, the legal like process taking place is the process that every election has had since the dawn of our time, since the beginning in, like the beginning of our republic, for the 200 plus years, civil litigation on claims of voter fraud, voter regularity, voter suppression, have taken place. So, there's nothing crazy going on, the process is gonna go on, everyone just calm down, and eventually we will find out who the president is going to be in January. All right, so today, the Trump's administration filed a suit in Wisconsin requesting a partial recount. So, in an article written by Brooke Sigmund with Fox News, the Trump campaign on Wednesday filed for a partial recount in Wisconsin, claiming illegal, illegally altered absentee ballots and illegal advice given by government officials allowed Wisconsin's voter ID laws to be circumvented. The campaign is spending $3 million for the petition for a recount in Milwaukee and Dane counties, claiming the Wisconsin Elections Commission's directed Wisconsin municipal clerks to illegally alter incomplete absentee ballots contrary to Wisconsin law. In a new statement, the Trump campaign also said the clerks were instructed that they could, in quote, rely on their own personal knowledge or unspecified lists or databases at his or her disposal to add missing information on return to absentee ballots. According to Wisconsin law, incomplete absentee ballots may not be counted. The Trump campaign said Wednesday that clerks issued absentee ballots to voters in Wisconsin without requiring an application, which they say is, in quote, in direct conflict with Wisconsin's absentee voting safeguards. So, another, like, this is, it's not unheard of. Like, if that is going on, if that is actually occurring, then the American people deserve to know, and the civil litigation is the process in which to do it. So another like instance similar to this occurred in Michigan's Wayne County. And I wouldn't say similar to that like last thing I talked about, I'm just meaning in general with like voter fraud, voter suppression, voter regularities, all of that. A another instance occurred today. Well overnight. In Michigan's Wayne County, there were members of the Republican Canvassers Committee that were harassed, literally harassed, for not certifying the votes right away. So, in another report by Edmund DeMarch from Fox News, Jane Ellis, a senior legal advisor to the Trump's 2020 campaign, told Fox News at Night on Tuesday that two Republicans on Michigan's Wayne County Board of Canvassers involved in a brief deadlock in the county's election certification process faced threats and allegations of racism before they agreed to certify the ballots. Their decision to side with the Democrat colleagues was dramatic and viewed by conservatives on social media as a capitulation after a brutal two-hour public pressure campaign. Ellis told Shannon Brain, the host of the show, that she received reports that these two board members correctly spotted discrepancies and she said the ballot counts in 71% of the county's precincts do do not match voter rolls. Like, here's the deal, folks, all right? Like, it is crazy, first of all, to think that the people that are entrusted to watch this, certify it, and ensure that our elections are indeed, like, secure and fair, are now overtly acting and calling members of another party racist or threatening them and pressuring them all for them doing their job and calling out the voter irregularities, right? So what we need to do is we we need to let the process play out. If there's widespread voter fraud, then there needs to be evidence. If not, then the Trump administration just needs to accept the results of the election. And the Republican Party as a whole needs to realign and look forward to that 2024 election and how we're going to retake the presidency when we get there, right? For the American people, it should matter. Because if one vote or 10 million votes are all jacked up and were miscounted or they were fraudulent, that's a person's vote that's not being heard. If the Trump administration, who is making these very, very heavy claims of hundreds of thousands of votes, potential millions of votes, whatever it may be, those are heavy, heavy claims. And with heavy, heavy claims and allegation, needs heavy, heavy evidence to support it. It needs to go to court And the court will determine if that evidence is is there or if it is not there. And I've been saying for days now, absolute days now, I wish the Trump administration would just come forward with the evidence. If you have the evidence, show the American people. A, one, it would allow the American people to, like it would stop any chance of people, people being able to say that you're liars or you're just unhappy with the election results so you're making all these crazy allegations. Or B, it will prove to the American people that they were right and that the, or that the Biden administration was right and the Democrats are right, that Trump is just throwing a fit and that he's just not accepting that he lost. Like the Trump administration needs to come forward with these results, show them to the American people, go to court, let it be litigated in court and figure it out there, all right? So the recount in Wisconsin, all this comes to light. After a complaint to the, like, to the ethics commission about Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, claiming that he abused his power, all right? So, in a article by CNN, three ethics experts, Walter Schaub, a former top ethics watchdog for the federal government, Richard Painter, the chief ethics lawyer for the President for President George W. Bush's administration, and Claire Finkelstein, the director of the University of Pennsylvania's Center for Ethics and the Rule of Law, asked the Senate Ethics Committee on Wednesday to look into Senator Lindsey Graham's call last week with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. And whether whether Graham suggested, in quotes, that Raffensperger disenfranchised Georgia voters by not counting votes lawfully cast for the office of the President. Alright, so before we go over this, on CNN's article, they do have a copy of this letter, or of this complaint, right, that was sent to um, the Ethics Commission, right? Like, right. so we'll go over that real quick, just a few excerpts of it, and then we'll talk about it for a few minutes. So the complaint is based on allegations Secretary Raffensperger first raised in an interview at Washington Post. This is inside the actual complaint that was filed against Senator Lindsey Graham, on which he elaborated in subsequent CNN an interview. According to the Washington Post, Senator Graham, in quote, asked whether Raffensperger had the power to toss all-mail ballots in counties found to have higher rates of non matching signatures, which would have included ballots legally classed, cast by eligible voters. The voters, the newspaper, indicates that Secretary Raffensberger said he was stunned by Senator Graham's suggestion and was feeling, in quote, under increasing pressure as a result of the communication with Senator Graham and other Republican leaders. All right. So, do I agree with this? Yeah, I actually really do agree with what Senator was saying. Um, is it partisan? Sure. But a topic can be partisan while still being correct and being a true and accurate statement, right? So, if there is illegitimate ballots, those illegitimate ballots need to be taken out of the election, right? So, if there are ballots where signatures do not match the signature ballots, or I'm sorry, the signatures on record. If there are ballots that have no signatures, those are not legally casted ballots, right? And the laws and regulations are pretty simple. So here's how it goes, right? So I am now an election like counter, right? I'm a ballot counter. I open it, I compare the signature that's on the ballot to the signature on record. I show the Democratic representative and the Republican representative. They say yay or nay. If they say nay, it doesn't match, or there's a discrepancy, it goes in a separate pile. If they say both say, yeah, it's a good vote, it goes into a, into another pile, right? So if those votes that are not legitimate votes, and they're proven to have either the incorrect signature on it, or no signature at all, they need to be cast out of the election, because they cannot prove that they are a valid, ballot and they were actually cast by whoever's name is on that ballot, right? Because, think about this, especially with all the unsolicited ballots, the thousands of unsolicited mail-in ballots that were just tossed in people's mailboxes. Let's say I was a Biden voter, and I know that my neighbor moved out a few months ago, but I saw the mailman put an absentee ballot in his mailbox. I go over, I collect the absentee ballot, I bring it back to my house. I fill it out. I then sign a name that's similar or what I thought his signature looked like, and sent that in. Well, if it's not vetted and it's not looked at, and then it's counted, that is an illegitimate count, and is voter fraud. And so, or let's say on another instance, let's say like right, let's say that me and my hu- or me and my wife, right, we vote differently. I'm a Trump supporter, or I'm a Biden supporter. Whichever way it could go, this way it could go. I'm a Trump supporter, and they're a Biden, and my wife's a Biden supporter. Well, I want Trump to win. So while she's at work, I take her ballot, I know her name, I know her signature, or similar how her signature should look. I filled out. I didn't sign her name, so that, that doesn't match. Well, now that's an illegitimate vote for Trump. So I'm not saying that it just needs to be the illegitimate ballots for Joe Biden taken out. I mean illegitimate ballots on either party, whether it be from Biden to Trump, whether it be to the Independent, to the Green Party nominee, whatever it may be. If it's an illegitimate vote, it needs to be taken out of, out of the count. And so that right there lies in the problem with mail-in voting. It is incredibly difficult to evaluate the ballot and prove one way or not if there's irregularities with the ballots and if voter fraud is prevalent. All right, guys. So we all know that the left has been, like, openly attacking religion and religious freedoms for, like, years now, right? Well, Andrew Cuomo, which I will go, like, there are very few people in this world that I strongly, strongly dislike. But the Andrew Cuomo has to be one of them. The depravity and his just lack of like respect in the Constitution and American rights and people's freedoms is literally the worst. Right? So he has once again attacked the religious freedoms of Americans and his comments at best are ignorant. And if they're taken at his worst, are anti Semitic and target a certain religious group in a violation of their First Amendment. So here's the clip, and we'll talk about it afterwards, of Governor Cuomo inserting his foot all the way into like the back of his throat. We're focusing on is the ultra-Orthodox communities, as you know. It is still the same. This is no longer a question of public education. It's enforcement. The cluster we're focusing on is the ultra-Orthodox communities. As you know, it is still the same. This is no longer a question of public education. It's enforcement. Like, isn't that, like, incredible to, like, just sit there and think... Like, that is a sitting governor of an entire state. But I guess, according to him, the celebrations of Biden winning isn't a super spreader incident, or the fact that Antifa, BLM, were rioting and looting inside cities and streets, but that's not a super spreader incident. People just expressing their freedom of religion and partaking in a constitutionally protected right is a direct threat to the rest of the world, to the rest of the New York, according to him, and is the reason why COVID-19 is just running rampant. like. It is absolutely ridiculous to think that. But this is something that we have seen going on for, like I said, like it seems like years now. So the school in New York, the um, Jewish school that is suing Cuomo is not the first school to sue him. A few days ago on the show, I talked about how the Catholic diocese is suing Cuomo for very similar allegations. So in his like in Cuomo's like, um, order, he does not like, he doesn't minimize or put a restriction on the occupancy requirement or restrict occupancy restriction on non essential businesses like grocery stores or hardware stores, restaurants. There's no occupancy limit, right? However, on churches, he imposed, I think it was like 25% maximum or 10 or 10 people, whichever one is less. So you tell me I can have thousands of people walking in a Walmart in New York, and that's okay. But I can't have a hundred people inside a church practicing their religion. Like, there's been a lot of things since the start of COVID-19 that have boggled me. But this right here has to be one of the largest threats on our democracy. That a state that has as many people in it as New York does. And the fact that there are so many people trying to practice their religion there, and the fact that the governor, the governor of that state, the governor of New York is systematically restricting Americans from practicing their faith is a clear violation of their First Amendment and should not be taken lightly. Okay. To be honest, I'm absolutely happy that that Jewish school and that Catholic diocese is suing him. And I hope they win it. Like, that is absolutely incredible. So, why does all this happen? Well, it happens because the Democrats do not care about American institutions. They do not. They care about a narrative. And that's all they care about. And if the institution doesn't align with their narrative, well, they'll just pummel it over with a bulldozer on the way down, right? Like, they'll just smash it down and... Like, hopefully rebuild it with the rubble that they already used. And the reason why they do this with religion specifically is because the majority of religious groups do not support their progressive and radical left policies. Like, they don't agree with the transgender movement. They don't agree with the homosexuality movement or abortion. Like, those are things that a lot of religious groups like, strictly denounce in their tenets. And any chance they can, the Democrats have to try to stop the lessons taught by the church or to mitigate the gatherings of like-minded people that disagree with their agenda, they will absolutely do it hundred percent of the time. And we see this type of behavior time and time again. And it's, it's dangerous guys. Like it's really, really dangerous. So, all right guys, that is it for today. Um, thank you all for watching as always. Thank you for listening. If you don't already, and you want to see a full video, uh, podcast, you can follow me over at YouTube at The Conservative Voice Show. I will link it down in the, in the show notes. Um, and we'll continue tomorrow. I'm sorry that I didn't have a show on yesterday. I just got out of work incredibly late in the morning because I'm on nights right now. And I just, I didn't get home till like 9am. I had to be back up at 2 to get ready for work again. So I apologize for that, guys. But we'll move forward. And until tomorrow, guys, I hope you all are very, very safe. And God bless you all. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. And I'll see you all tomorrow.